Well, welcome to week seven of our prophecy series. I've been excited about this series. Some messages have been easier to bring than others, but they've all been necessary, and I hope that you can go online and get them. Today, our, our topic is Here Comes Eternity. Uh, all of us have a longing for, a hope for something far better, far greater. And some of you may be skeptical. Some of you may be uh, proclaiming to be atheist or agnostic that you can't even know. Well, if, if that's you, we hope that you, you will hear what we're saying this morning because we know that everybody, even the most vehement skeptic, there's a hope inside of them for something that is greater. So today we're talking about eternity, and I can't wait. Thank you for being with us and for being a part of it. If you're a guest today, my name is Dennis, one of the pastors here. I just want to brag on our people, man. I'm just so thankful for the church that God's given us and the team that we have to work with. Yesterday, my wife Joanna and I were in Hickory. We were just shopping a little bit, and I went up to pay, and I, this lady looked at me, and I, and I looked at her like, I know this lady. And she says, I know you. And usually if I'm in Wilkesboro, I figure it's somebody in the church, you know, but they're far away. I, I wasn't sure. And she said, I come to your church sometimes. She said, I'm a member somewhere else. But she said, I love Celebration Church. She said, you guys have an amazing team. She said, when you get there, everybody's so friendly and welcoming you when you get in. She said, I brought my daughter last week, and my daughter was taken over to the children's area, and they, everybody loved on her and cared for her and gave her a gift. And she said, you guys have an amazing, amazing team. And so I thank you for making this place a great place. You're the ones that make it great as the Lord Jesus Christ is inside of you and you serve him together. We thank God for our children's ministry, our band, our tech people, and for all the volunteers and members. And uh, if you call Celebration a home, we're thankful for you. And we want you to get plugged into a great, great opportunity to serve Christ here. Brian told you about all that's coming up for Love Week. Hope you can plug in, go online and register all those things and get excited about serving in our community. And uh, you don't have time to complain when you're busy serving. So get busy serving. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be at the end of the book, Revelation 21 and 22. So you can go there. We're going to look at a few other verses before we get there. But this morning, we're talking about eternity. And before we do that, I want to, as we talk about here comes eternity this morning, our final in this series. I'm excited about Brian's series, starting up a new series next week. And uh, he's going to talk about uh, you think you know. And absolutely, what, what you're going to find out is you know more than you think you know. And the people around you, even people who don't know Jesus, they know more than you think they know. And so I'm excited about that series. It's going to be really, really great. But let's, let's do a memory verse, okay? Has, have any of you memorized the verse yet? Raise your hand. Anybody? One. Hold your hand up. I want to be able to count all three of you. Okay. You guys are a bunch of slackers, okay? All right. Let's say it together. I've memorized it, but every time I try to do it up on stage, I mess it up. So say it with me. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The idea is the best is yet to come. We have hope because of what Jesus did in the past, but it gives us hope for future grace that is yet to come. And that's what we're talking about today. So I want to talk to you about heaven today. And some, I'll start with some myths about heaven. So the first few, I want you to fill in the blank. And so I'm going to, uh, the first one, I'm going to sing a couple of words, and then you fill in the next two words. Almost heaven. Gabe, that was for you, buddy. Where's Gabe? 
Where's Gabe? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the first myth about heaven. <laughs> no, just kidding. It's a great place. I love West Virginia. I don't think it's almost heaven, but I think it's an awesome place. All right, all right, fill in the blank on this one. Um, every time a bell rings, yeah, every year we watch that movie, right, with Jimmy Stewart, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, that's, you know, and when I see people write on Facebook, somebody passes away, and I know people are meaning well, but it's just so wrong. People say, well, heaven gained another angel today. No, we don't become angels. That's a myth about heaven. Okay, here's another one. That person is so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. That is the farthest thing from the truth. A person who truly understands heaven and truly understands eternity and has a perspective about life and eternity, they invest the most in this planet in people and things that really matter. So that's a myth as well. Um, so how about this one? Um, we're going to sit in the clouds and we're going to play harps for all of eternity. Now we're going to be this little cherub in heaven. It's just, just not, not true. My brother uh, told my mom when she was trying to explain heaven one day when he was a little boy, and she said, he said, what, what are we going to do? I said, well, I really don't know. We're going to sing hymns. We're going to do this and that and see Jesus. How long are we going to be there? We're going to be there forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And he looks at her and all of a sudden he says, well, won't we be bored? That's another myth about heaven, that we're going to be bored. It's going to be boring. It's not going to be interesting. Uh, and that we're going to, you know, lose uh, perspective on really time and, and, and all that's important in eternity. We're not going to be bored at all. So uh, what I want you to understand this morning is this present world that we live in now, this present world is broken. And all of us know it. We know that we're broken because we have broken relationships and broken things in our life and broken hearts. And we know this world that we live in is broken. And uh, this brokenness in our present world requires and puts into us a hope for future grace, that something better lies ahead. Now, because you hope it doesn't make it to be true, but we believe that God's word has revealed to us our, our eternity past and the eternity future and all that's important for both, for life and for eternity. So we believe that. The Bible says in Romans 8 that all creation groans together. That means the idea is in pain and groaning. How many of you had some groaning, painful moments this week? Raise your hand. Groaning, painful moments. We know that's true. The whole creation groans and moans together. So I want you to write down the first thing I want us to remember about eternity is this. The, in present stress, I consider future rest. Okay, write that down. In present stress, I consider future rest. Now, I want to pause for just a second there. Time out one second. A little per parenthetical thought. We, we can have rest now. The Bible says there remains a rest for the people of God. We can rest in God in spite of present stress in our life and difficulties on the job side and difficulties with our children and difficulties with our, with our marriage and our relationships. We can have peace and, and hope even there, but our ultimate hope is future rest that one day it's going to be better. So in present stress, I consider 
future rest. So I want you to know if you're a guest with us today or if you call celebration home, we're not in denial about the present distress of this world. We're not in denial. Denial is more than a river in Egypt. Denial is not the answer for Christians. We don't live in a bubble somewhere pretending that there aren't problems. There are problems. I've got problems. You've got problems. The world is full of problems. But in present stress, I consider future rest. Let's look at a few verses before we get to our passage in Revelation this morning. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Uh, this is uh, written uh, by Paul, Apostle Paul. And he's, he's, he was a terrorist. He hated Christ. And Jesus appeared to him, turned his life around, and he gave his life for God. And he's considerably suffered all of his life for the sake of Jesus Christ. And here's what he says in verse 18 of Romans chapter 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy or not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Let me read that again. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. So Paul, a follower of Jesus, he says, look, I acknowledge present stress. The sufferings of this world. He was beaten to a pulp many times, beaten with sticks, stoned with rocks. He was, he was ultimately uh, killed for his faith. The man knew suffering. But here's... When he met Jesus, and Jesus told him a little bit about what's to come, he said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. So in present stress, Paul said, I consider future rest. How many of you have heard of C.S. Lewis? Christian author, very popular, famous guy. He said this, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy. There's something inside of me that's throbbing and desiring for more. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. That's pretty cool, hey? We all long for that which we never quite get to. We never quite get completely satisfied. That's because we're made for something that's yet to come. And in this present time, we live for God. We honor him. We, we rest in him. We trust him. We don't have to be full of anxiety. But we realize that there's more, much, much more to come. In fact, I heard one time, and it really uh, resonated with me, that this universe seems to be in a minor key. Some of you that know about music, you know way more than I do about music. But a minor key, uh, you know, the, all the sort of sad tunes. If you listen to the, wh the whistling of the wind on a, on a winter day and that wind is whipping, it sounds almost like a minor key. You listen to the sound of a whale singing. You know, we've recorded whale voices, and Jim Gaffigan does a great routine about whales, and it's, it's hilarious. But... Whales, they, they sing in what I would say is a minor key. Listen to a whippoorwill. There's something about nature that seems to be in a minor key because the infection that sin has brought into our universe. 
Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. This is written by the wisest man that ever lived besides Jesus Christ. His name is Solomon. And he went on this quest to find out what the meaning of life. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, he says this. He's made everything beautiful in its time. God made everything beautiful in its time. Also, now listen to this next phrase. This is a verse you want to mark. He has put eternity into man's heart. You're going to hear about some of this from Pastor Brian in this next series. The, the things that God has built into people to already know and to understand. He's put eternity in a man's heart. There's this longing in people, in you and me and our children, that's innate. It's built in by God that longs for eternity. He's put eternity in our hearts, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So God has put into our hearts, into our minds, into our soul, this longing for eternity. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Near the end of the New Testament, Peter, one of the followers of Jesus, he had a big mouth but a bigger heart. And as he came to believe in Jesus after the resurrection and followed him and gave his life for Jesus, he says this in chapter 3, verse 13. According to his promise, we're waiting for new heavens... And a new earth. Now that's important. Not just heaven or heavens, but a new earth. He, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Because the righteous one is going to be there. We're going to be home with God forever. And the new heavens and the new earth that God's going to create will never ever be infected with sin again. Righteousness will dwell there. That's a great hope for me. How many of you heard the story about the man that stole the plane in Washington State this, this week? Well, that was a bizarre story, right? It was an aircraft mechanic, and he worked at a large airport in Washington State, and he was suffering from depression. And because he knew about video games, he thought he knew how to fly a plane. Well, he did know a little bit. He knew enough how to take off, but the landing part he didn't quite have down. But it was a very sad story because he was talking. He was... People were communicating with him, and they put this on the news, and he was saying, you know, i got a family that loves me. They're going to be very disappointed in me. And um, he, he basically, he said, this is, this is my suicide note, and I want to go out with a bang. And he crashed the plane into a, a remote island. Fortunately, could have been uh, death for some military people who lived nearby, but God spared people that tragedy. But the tragedy was this man who had a good job, but he had problems in life. He, he took a nosedive into the earth and crashed into eternity. What if that man had known Jesus? What if that man, somebody had shared Jesus Christ with him with the hope of heaven and the hope of eternity? He was having a bad week, maybe a bad month. Maybe he had had an entirely difficult life. Maybe like some of you, you say, man, this just never seems to get any better. But this man apparently had no hope. But we have hope that something better is coming. And so we're waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, when everything is going to be okay. One last passage before we go to Revelation. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, again, Paul writing, as it is written, and I love this verse, but a lot of people stop at the end of verse 9 and never go to verse 10. It says this, as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined. So nobody's heard this, seen this, or even imagined 
the great things, what God has prepared for those who love him, verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So in present stress, I can consider future rest. He says, man, nobody has even imagined what good is coming about in eternity. The mind can't imagine it. But what he says is this. He says, this word of God, this Bible, the Holy Spirit of God has given us a Bible that tells us about the beginning, that tells us about the end, that tells us how to live in between. And he, God has revealed to us by his spirit an inkling, a little bit of a concept of the good that is to come. So because of that, in present stress, I consider future rest. Here's, here's the second thing I really want you to think about. I will live for the one I will live with forever. I will live for the one I will live with forever. And the forever, I put the ellipsis before forever because I want to say this. I'm going to live for him forever starting now. And I'm going to live with him forever starting now. Now, we're not physically present with him, but his spirit lives inside of us. But one day, we're going to be physically present with Jesus Christ, with God the Father, forever and forever and forever and forever. And I will live for the one today, right now, I will live for the one that I'm going to live with forever. Do you realize God is preparing a place for us, but he's also preparing us for a place. God is preparing a place for us. That's called heaven. And we don't know how long he planned this present earth, but we know the Bible says that he created it in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. And when, when Jesus went away, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. 2,000 years, this place has been in the making. I cannot wait to see the glory that's going to be revealed in eternity. He's preparing a place for us, but... He's preparing us for a place. That's why we want you to get engaged with the things of God, not just to attend on Sunday, but for the life of Christ to be lived out through you every day of your life at work, at school, in university, in college, wherever you are, we want you to be living for Jesus and growing in him because he's preparing you for a place. He's not just preparing a place for you. He's preparing you for a place. He's getting your mind and your heart and your soul and your life prepared for the one that you will live with forever. I will live for the one I will live with forever because God's preparing a place for us, but he's preparing us for a place. Let me ask you this question. How are you preparing? How are you preparing for the one you're going to live with for eternity? How are you getting ready? Are you spending time with him every day, getting to know him so that you're not absolutely shocked when you meet him one day face to face? How are you preparing for the one that you will live with forever? Now, let's go to Revelation 21, the end of the book. Uh, the, we call the subtitle of this uh, series, uh, the, the End of the Beginning, because in the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Last week, we studied the burn is coming. Here comes the burn. It's all going to burn. And so we better be living and placing our investments in eternity because eternity is coming and we can send stuff ahead preparing for that. So in Revelation chapter 21, now 
All the judgments have taken place in Revelation. If you've never studied the book of Revelation, you, you read about it's the revelation of a person. His name is Jesus Christ. And he comes and he brings judgment on the earth. He brings people to himself. He comes and we stand before him and we, we're judged by God. Every human individual that's ever lived will stand before God. We study that one week. And then everything's going to burn up and he's going to create new heavens and a new earth. Revelation 21 verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. You know how we say somebody passed away? They've passed. The Bible says that about the earth. The present heavens and the present earth, the present physical creation is going to pass away. And the sea was no more. Now, we live in a water-based world. Three-quarters of our world is covered by water. The Bible says it's going to be different in eternity. There will be waters, but the sea, the Bible says, is no more. There's going to be a different operating system for weather and for everything else in eternity. That's fascinating to me. Verse 2. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So this is a city. This is not the whole earth. We are made to be earth people. Where are we going to live forever? In the new heavens and the new earth. Well, the new heaven comes down from God from somewhere in space or some in the mind of God. God's created this physical place. And when he destroys what presently exists, all the universe, he brings down into the new earth that he's created this capital city. This new Jerusalem, it comes in. Now, some people think it might be suspended like sort of as a planet. We travel to and forth. I think as I read the Bible, it's probably going to be physically on the earth. Let's continue reading. This new Jerusalem comes down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband in verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, this is a throne room of God, saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. That's going to be cool, right? Now, if you're afraid of that statement, you don't know God yet. And some of you are. Some of you are afraid of the day that you have to stand before God. If you'll come by faith to Jesus Christ and accept what he's done for you and come into right relationship with God, you don't have to be afraid of God. We're going to, as God's people, we're going to live with him. He's going to live with us. His dwelling place is going to be with us forever and forever. The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with him. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Can I get a few amens? We're going to live with God. Remember when Jesus came and said his name shall be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And for a time, Jesus, for 33 years, the God-man was on the earth. But for eternity, we're going to be with God and he's going to be with us forever and forever. Verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. He shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now, um, there's a song, Tears in Heaven. And there's a debate among theologians, and I'm not really sure what the answer is. It says he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. So a couple of thoughts on this. One is that there will be no tears in heaven at all. God's going to wipe it out. He's going to wipe them out before they get there. Another thought, and I'm not sure which is right. I know that they're going to be wiped away, ultimately. Another thought is that perhaps, 
When we first get there and we face the judgment seat of Christ and we stand before him and we see the things that we could have done, our sins are forgiven, we're not paying for our sins, but we've forfeited a lot of opportunities on the earth to tell people about Jesus and to live for Jesus and send on into eternity the things that matter and invest in people and invest in God's work for eternity. And there's a thought that at that seat, when we stand before God, perhaps... There's going to be some tears for a little while of remorse of opportunities that we missed. Either way, God's going to wipe away all tears and banish crying from people forever and forever. There's going to be nothing to cry about throughout eternity. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Amen and hallelujah. How many of you have lost a loved one or friend this year? Raise your hand. In heaven, no more. That's not happening ever again. The curse of sin that brings death into this world will not exist in heaven. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more mourning or crying or pain. How many of you live in physical pain almost every day of your life? Raise your hand. I've got some back issues. I've got some stuff going on. Some of you, there will be no more of that. In heaven. You won't have to take Vicodin in heaven. You won't have to take Tylenol in heaven. It won't exist. The pharmaceutical companies are going out of business in heaven. That's a good thing. No more mourning, no crying, no pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. All, the, all that old stuff, all the old crap of this universe will be gone. None of that ever again. Verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. All things new. All things new. There's something cool and refreshing about new. God's going to make all things new. You know, all the things that were lost in the Garden of Eden... Innocence and purity and holiness and unbroken relationships with God and with each other. All the, the, the perfect environment with the animals. Will there be animals in heaven? Absolutely. All that was lost in creation, in the Garden of Eden from creation, all and more will be restored. God makes all things new. Also, he said, write this down for those are true words are tr- trustworthy and true. And he said to me, verse 6, It is done. I'm the Alpha and Omega. That's the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. Jesus is the beginning of all. Jesus is the eternity of all. I'm the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have his heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. The one who endures. That's not saying that we endure to earn our salvation. It says the, per, the people who truly, and this will probably even part of Brian's messages. I keep adding things to his message. Your, your series is going to be really long by the time I get all, give all these new things. But uh, the, the, all that is old and all that has passed away uh, will, will, will go away, but the one who conquers will have this heritage. In other words, if you truly know Jesus, you stay with Jesus. It's called the perseverance of the saints. The Bible says in some passages that these people were with us for a while, 
But then they went out, and he says they were really never of us. A person who truly knows Jesus is transformed for all of eternity. Now, we're going to stop the reading right here, but if you carried on reading, and I hope that you'll go home and do this, in verses, uh, after verse 7 uh, uh, that we just read, you read verses 8 through, we're going to pick up in 22 in a minute, but 8 through 21, we read descriptions of heaven. It talks about all the beauty in the ornamental beauty of heaven. But the greatest beauty of heaven is going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. But it tells us about the dimensions of this capital city. It's mind-boggling. The dimensions of the capital city, which is found, I think, in verse 16. You have chapter 21, verse 16. This city, if you translate it into modern vernacular, is 1,400 miles long. We're talking like from New York City to Miami, roughly. 1,400 miles wide, so north, south, east to west, 1,400 miles. Not only that, it's 1,400 miles high. A perfect cube like the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Can you imagine? I mean, that's a lot of square footage, right? That is a lot of place, and that's just the capital city. 1,400 miles cubed. Nothing but bedazzling beauty. And the things that were so important to us on the earth, like gold and silver and stone, those are construction items in heaven. Gold that's so pure, it's transparent in heaven, is street paving in heaven. The the value system in heaven is changed forever and forever. It's big, it's bold, it's beautiful, it's ornate. There's walls in heaven. And I heard a comedian say, walls in heaven? What in the world kind of neighborhood is that going to be in? But it says that the doors of the walls are open forever. They're they're never shut. The the gates are never shut. The the walls are a picture of the security, the eternal security that we have. But there's no threat ever. And the the gates of the city are open forever. Go there and read in, in Revelation chapter 21, the rest of that chapter when you go home. It's fascinating what the capital city of the new heaven will be like. Now, for a minute, before we go to Revelation 21, 22, look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. It tells us about our citizenship. Philippians 3, verse 20 says this, but our citizenship, now he's writing to a group of people in a place called Philippi. These are Christian people. These are followers of Jesus Christ. The church that is at Philippi, he's writing to Christians, to believers. And he says this, but our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body and the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. So two important thoughts from Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Our citizenship is in heaven. I used to live in South Africa as a missionary. Many of you know that. 15 years we were missionaries to that country. Well, when I was there, I had my American passport that showed my country of origin. And I had a South African ID book in which was stamped a permanent residency in South Africa. I could come and go freely because I'd been there so long and I'd applied. So my citizenship uh, country of origin was the United States of of America. I had permanent residency in a country called South Africa. But really my citizenship, my true citizenship, My true home is heaven. That longing in us 
for something greater still lies ahead. Our citizenship is in heaven. So in present distress, I consider future rest. I will live for the one I will live with forever. And then lastly this morning, I remember now what I will soon forget. I remember now what I will soon forget. Look at Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. The former things. That's just present earth. You think, man, I'm going to miss it. And some of you aren't really excited about heaven because you've got so much stuff here and you're not sending anything on the head to heaven and you're kind of like really attached right here. I read something this week about Jesus that said he was not attached to anything. The Bible says he didn't have a home. He didn't have a place to lay his head. He was completely free to go and be and do anything God wanted him to be. How encumbered are you to the things that you own? Is there anything that you have or anything that you own or any place that you live that will prevent you from going wherever God calls you to go? It might be that you have a couch, and we have a comfortable couch with two recliners. They have buttons, and you push the button, and it goes back, and you go into recline mode. Very dangerous seating accommodation. Will your recliner, will your chair at home Will your bed keep you from doing the things of God for Love Week? The television programs you're going to watch it are going to mean zero in eternity. They're going to keep you from serving Christ. The former thing, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former thing shall not be remembered. I heard a quote when I was a child, and I never forgot. It says this, heaven and earth will soon be passed. How many of you know the end of that? Anybody? And only what's done for Christ will last. You can write that down and take it to the bank. Heaven and earth will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. We're not going to have remembrance of all this. Now, is that because we're going to be dumb in heaven? I had, and, and, and I'm. I'm not exactly sure what all this means, but I had a professor at Liberty one time. He was a guest speaker coming through, and he, he said this young, he, he, he called him whippersnapper. This young whippersnapper came up to me at college, and he said, uh, Mr. Lakin, he said, will I know my wife in heaven? And Mr. Lakin said, well, I hate to think I'd be dumber in heaven than I will be on earth. We're going to remember people. We're going to, but the former things, this world system, this, even the beauty of this world that is masked because of sin and destruction and decay, it's going to pale in comparison to what's to come. In Romans 8, 18, we read earlier, it says the present sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the future glory. Now, how do we forget a place that's so beautiful? I think right where we live here in North Carolina, in the Piedmont of North Carolina, the foothills of the mountains, we live in a beautiful area, and I love where we live. How can we forget that? Here's, here's, here's a quote that I think sums it up well. Glorified saints, when we get to heaven and we get our new bodies, we're going to have new bodies that are glorified. We're not limited 
Like Jesus, when he was resurrected from the grave, he walked through walls, he entered rooms, he'd appear one place and another place. The Bible says we're going to have glorified bodies when we get to heaven. When we have our glorified bodies and we're glorified saints in heaven in eternity, glorified saints will have forgotten this world. Why? Because they will be entirely taken up with the other. I like that. It's going to be so beautiful, so glorious, so grand, so painless, so deathless, so fearless that what we used to remember as good pales in comparison. Listen, that's, that's a key thought for even now. I'm going to read you the quote again. Glorified saints will have forgotten this world because they will be entirely taken up with the other. That's a secret for your life right now. How do you not give in to sin? How do you not get so enamored by sin in this world? You get so enamored and fall so in love with Jesus that sin doesn't even appeal to you anymore. Are you so in love with Jesus, so taken up with Jesus that sin has lost its appeal? One writer said this. I think it was John Piper. Sin is what we do when we're not satisfied with God. Sin is what we do when we're not satisfied with God. Are you so in love with Jesus and you enjoy him so much that sin has lost its appeal to you? The Bible says in the new heavens and the new earth, that will be the case. With Jesus being there, nothing else is worth remembering. Now back to Revelation chapter 21 verse 22. It says this, and I saw no temple in the city. There won't be a building like this. No temple, no place of worship. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Verse 23. And the city has no need of the sun or moon to shine in it, for the glory of God gives its light. Where does a light source come from in eternity? From, from the presence of Almighty God. We don't need a place like this. We need it now to come to remind us of what's to come. But in eternity, we don't need a place because we have a person. His name is Jesus, and the glory of God gives us light, and its lamp is the Lamb, verse 24. By its light will the nations walk. There's going to be nations in heaven. By its light, the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. There will be kings and leaders, not tainted with sin in heaven. You know who that's going to be? Us. The Bible says we will reign with Christ forever. There's going to be nations and peoples and ethnicities. None of it will matter, but people from all nations and tongues and languages of people will be in heaven and will be serving God forever. Nations and kings will walk on the earth. The earth will bring their glory into it. In other words, all the people and all the nations and all the kingdoms of the earth who are all now believers in Christ, all the people that have come to Christ are in eternity with God forever. Those are the people that will be there. And they bring the glory of all their lands and all their nations to God in worship and honor. Verse 25, its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. No need to lock the gates. We lock our doors to our house. You say, don't you trust God? Yeah, but I got locks too. God made people smart enough to make. Last night in the middle of the night, 
my wife once again heard somebody in our house. So I got up, I got my Glock, nine millimeter, and in Jesus' name, walked through the house. <laughs> Just in case somebody wanted an early ticket into eternity. <laughs> Nobody was there. Nobody. I don't know how she can for sure. She said, don't go in there, please. Don't go in there. Well, why did you wake me up? I'll sit here in the bedroom and wait till light comes. <laughs> okay. Sorry, honey. I'll pay for that later. <laughs> the gates will never be shut, and there will be no night there. Thank God. Verse 26. There will be, they will bring into it the, its glory and the honor of nations. Everything that's good is coming into God's kingdom for his glory, like it should be now on this earth, but we're tainted with sin. Verse 27. But nothing unclean will ever enter it. Because some people wonder, oh, well, what if it happens again? What if sin comes in again and, and, and evil? And No. God says, I've banished it forever. I've called out a people unto myself. They're going to live with me forever. And never will anything unclean ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. There's not going to be any politicians in heaven. Sorry. No. Nothing detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. There will be no chance for sin ever again. Thank you, God. Thank you that it won't be a part of my life or your life or your children's life or your grandchildren's life. And finally, chapter 22, verse 1. Then the angels showed me the river of the water of life. Remember the Garden of Eden? There was these rivers, and they came together in the confluence. And uh, people guess where they are today and where they were then. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life. Remember where that was last time we saw it? Garden of Eden. And they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, I got to kick you out because now you're living in sin. And you don't want to live in that perpetually by eating of the tree of life and live forever in your sin. So by grace, God kicked him out of the Garden of Eden. And now it's transplanted in the new heavenly city, in the eternal state. The tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit. We're going to have good food in heaven. I think it's 12 kinds of fruit. And what you do is you take that fruit and you put it on angel food cake. And you have your strawberry shortcake. Sorry, couldn't resist. Yielding its fruit each month. Will there be time in heaven? Maybe not as we know it now. I don't know. But here he talks about months and times and seasons and trees and fruit bearing. So there's going to be this great similarity to what we have now, but with all the bad stuff removed. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And that literally means therapeutic. They keep us healthy. God's presence and God's food and God's eternal perspective on what we eat is all for our good, and we're continually being healthy. We're being ther therapy comes into us through what God is making and has made in eternity. Verse 3, no longer will there be anything accursed. Everything that comes as a result of sin is all banished. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. 
and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. You can bank on it. You can take these words to the bank. You can take the new heavens and the new earth to the bank. It will happen. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. The good old days lie ahead for the believer. But for unbelievers... We'll not partake in this. That's the next step today. Would you write this down? I'll prepare myself for the place God is preparing for me. I will prepare myself for the place God is preparing for me. God's preparing a place for me, but he's preparing me for a place. How well are you cooperating? The last myth about heaven, we started with myths. The last myth about heaven is that heaven is everyone's destination. The last myth about heaven is heaven is everyone's default destination. That God's going to somehow wink and let everybody into heaven. The Bible nowhere teaches that. The Bible teaches only that those who come by faith to Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross will have entrance into this city. And their lambs get written in the, names, the Lamb's book of life. Their names are written there. And they know Christ. Man, it's going to be too great to miss. Don't miss it. Prepare for it. Will you be there? Would you pray with me? Every head bowed and every eye closed. You will not end up in heaven because you were good enough or just because God is gracious enough to let you in even though you rejected Christ. He's gracious, all right? He's full of grace and mercy. But the only person that will ever enter the gates of this eternal city, this eternal heaven and earth, will be those who know Jesus. There's a place for those who do not. It's called hell. Do you know that you know that you know Jesus? If you don't, would you cry out to him right from where you sit? Lord God, I believe in you. I believe you sent your son to die for me, and I'm a sinner. And Lord, I turn from my sin, and I turn to you, and I say, God, save my soul. Give me the gift of eternal life. I, I, I want heaven one day, but Lord, I, I want you right now. Is there anyone in this room or watching online that will say, today I want to trust Jesus. I don't want to miss it. And today I trust Jesus to come into my life for the first time and I ask him into my life. Would you raise your hand? Anybody all over this building? Anybody at home watching online or listening in your car? Anyone at all? Now, Christian, how about you? Are you preparing for the place that God is preparing for you? Lord, we pray that you would help us not to waste another day, minute, or hour investing in what will burn up. Help us to invest in eternity. And God, we look forward to all that you have in store for us. We worship you. And we'll rejoice with you forever in the place that you're making for us right now. Prepare us for that place. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing?